Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One of the best quotes about rugby that's ever been said on this podcast came from Christian Sarmento. Uh, when I talked to him back in June of 2020, he said, rugby will take you anywhere and it will put you in contact with good people. And that's true because that's how I met Christian Sarmento. Uh, rugby community received some bad news over the weekend as Christian Sarmento passed away early Friday morning. Uh, and I was planning on putting out you know, this interview that I just mentioned again when I heard the news because it's truly one of my favorite from the four years that the show has existed. And I know I've talked to people that have gotten into the show because I put it at that year in recap. Um, back in 2020, and they were fascinated by by Christian's interview, uh, so they started listening because of it. So I owe Christian that. Um, but I've also been asked to spread the news of his service, um, and I've noticed that this old interview's been been downloaded about 40 times since the news of Christian's passing. So wanted to bump it up to the top of the feed for anybody that's looking for it, and also include the details of his service. So memorial services will be held at Westwood Community Church on Friday, February 9th at 4 p.m. There will be a potluck following the ceremony. The address is 7700 West Woodward Drive, Lakewood, Colorado. Please send any donations to the Colorado Special Olympics, Boys and Girls Club, or the Concussion Legacy Foundation. I uh, just wanted to take this time to extend my, my prayers to Christian's friends and family. Rest in peace, Scarly. We'll miss you, buddy. All right, now welcome on to the show, Christian Sarmento, former Raptor, uh, among a lot of other things. Christian, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Keonda, friends, uh, happy to be here, happy to talk about one of the passions of my life, rugby in Rugby Town, USA. Yeah, I'm super pumped to have you on. Um, just something like I mentioned to you on the phone, I was talking to Casey Rock last week, and he was suggested that I get into some of the old school Raptors, and you were the first person that popped in my mind, so I'm happy I could hunt you down. Yeah, big shout out to Casey Rock. He also plays for a Team DPS, Yeah. so he's an educator like myself, and he's just, I would consider him a good friend. Yeah, cool. So I guess the easiest question we'll start out with, is you just tell me a little bit about where you're from? Okay, yeah, so... I'm from Denver, 5280. I got it on my back. I represent <laughs> the city. I was born at the old St. Joe's Hospital, which for people that don't know, that was right by Sloan's Lake. And then I grew up in North Denver, and then when my parents split, I kind of went all over West Metro Denver. So that's like Wheat Ridge, Lakewood, Golden, Unincorporated Jeffco. Nice, man. Um, so before we get into like really the, the beef of this, I got to ask you about nicknames because you got a lot. How many nicknames do you have? I don't know. It's... <laughs> Too many to name. So the original where it started was Scar. And Scar started with like a limited group during uh, mandatory workouts for football in uh, college. I'd be at the workout center early. And they'd say, 
you're patrolling this like you're like Scar at his cave or his den or whatever. <laughs> but then my first play of college football was a kickoff, and I ran down the field and just crushed this kid. <laughs> he never played again, and I freaking got this huge scar on my head that would continually reopen throughout my whole redshirt freshman year. And that's when it caught on, and it kind of evolved to Scarly, Scarmani, Scarlos Apache, <laughs> Scarly Wildflower, to name a few. I mean... I'm also, my teaching name is Mr. S. And so they call me Mr. Best, Mr. Yeah. Blessed. I tell them not to, but they say Mr. Mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how, I mean, that's what I, that's one of the first things I remember about you. It's Scarly Do Right, right? Yeah, Scarly Do Right. Yeah. Scarly Hustle Chips. <laughs> it just goes on and on. I like it. Scarly Mountain Goat. Yeah. Uh, it's a cool man. What, I know you just mentioned playing college football. I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. But what other sports did you play before you like got into rugby? Yeah, so sports has been central in my life, and it's really been like a guardian angel for me. And now I'm actually a PE teacher, and I do coach, and so I get it's a chance to like complete the cycle of positivity. But I started playing sports when I was probably in fifth grade, and I was playing soccer, and I was just like, I was just. When I find something I like, I just go hard at it. So soccer was my first love. And then from there, I started playing football, basketball. I did some wrestling. I did a little track, um, martial arts. I'd been doing martial arts before then. Yeah. But um, how the rugby origin started is I went out for lacrosse my sophomore year, and I'd always wanted to play lacrosse. And uh, I looked up to my one of my dad's girlfriend's sons who played it in high school. So I was like, "Is that's a cool sport?" <laughs> and had being Native American, it's like part of our, you know, our roots. Yeah. It's a Native sport. So I played lacrosse, and I mean, I was, I got into it because all the guys knew me as like you know a hog football player, big guy, whatever you know, <laughs> aggressive. So they all gifted me all their stuff at Wheat Ridge. Shout out farmers. Yeah, go farmers. Farm. That's where I went too. Farmer pride. <laughs> Don't don't ask me how you get a jolly a jolly rancher. <laughs> all right, so these guys they gave me all their hand me down stuff and it was just awesome. But um, I played crease defense and I, I kid you not, like I've played I've been you know a hitter in sports. Yeah. I used to crush kids in lacrosse and I would actually get penalized sometimes because like they'd be so big. And so then the next year, Josh Smith, shout out Josh Smith, shout out Jordan Smith, shout out Pastor Rick. <laughs> yes. I think I they're next. Pastor I Rick. think they're next for the show. Um, Josh was like a great organizer of kids. So he just like he actually had a church van and he picked up all of us little like hoodlum rugby, like <laughs> tough boys that just wanted to like get after it. And that's yeah. how I started playing rugby. What year was that then? That would have been my junior year for uh Littleton Harlequins. So that was a offshoot of the Denver Harlequins. And then the next year we went to Bear Creek Warriors, which was a offshoot of it was like a Bear Creek, Wheat Ridge, Green Mountain team. So mm-hmm. shout out to uh, Justin Paunga. Oh yeah. Soleuso <laughs> and all those guys they played on the team. Wow, man, this is bringing back. I didn't even know this. Like I didn't know that you played with all those guys. That's yeah, crazy. another guy that was really big that I played with. I mean, I got so much connections to guys that just went farther than me. Chris Camozzi for uh-huh. Bear Creek, who was actually in the Ultimate Fighter, the show, and oh, went wow. far and got a contract. Jeez. And I'll get more into that because I know right now number one heavyweight or whatever contender UFC, Justin Gaethy. Yeah. UNC boy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would lead into the next thing. So you played football at UNC. Uh, how how did you get recruited to do that? What was that like, and how did you make the decision to go up there? So at the time, I had gotten suspended off football for uh, – my whole junior year, 
which was like detrimental, but it turned out to be such a blessing because I ended up going to Lakewood and the coach at Lakewood, shout out Mark Robinson, his son's playing at CU now. He did so much more work for us recruiting and he just, you know, he gave me a lot of grace with how he deal with me when I was a young, (laughs) young buck. And so, um, after my junior year, my junior year, I just tore it up. I think nine games, I had 125 tackles, Jeez. 15 sacks. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> playing I what, seen, linebacker? Or playing? Uh, stand-up DN. Okay, yeah. And that's what I played my senior year, too. And then so my senior year came, and, you know, teams were looking at me, and I was mainly looked at as, like, a, a D2 prospect. Yeah. So my visits were going to be to Mesa State, and they were going to be to Fort Lewis and uh, UNC. I went to Mesa State and uh, shout out Bobby Coy. He was a player of the year. He was also hitting that show, my big obnoxious fiance. He was in that reality show. It's crazy. Jeez, man. You know everybody. Yeah. So we were roommates there. And then the next week I went to UNC and I was just like, yeah, I like UNC better. It's closer to Denver. Yeah. The money was right. And so just signed the papers. I mean, it was funny. I, I still remember what a. O.K. Dalton said, and this old coach, old coach, he used to coach O.J. Simpson at the Bills. He said, looks at my ACT scores, looks at my grades, tells me, you're lazy, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so then you get to UNC. I know you're, t- you're just talking about tackles. How many defensive records do you still have? Because I remember – so I remember I went to CSU. We were working a CSU-UNC game. UNC came up to play. It was the last year at Hughes. And I was pulling, like, their media guide, UNC's media guide, and I was looking through, like, all – they have all the records listed. And it's Christian Sarmento, most tackles in the game. Christian yeah. Sarmento, most tackles. It's you and, and you and somebody else. So what, what needs to be said about that, all given respect to the old heads, is UNC has a huge tradition of being a D2 powerhouse. Yeah. And they – effectively erased all those records and now all the records are just from their time in d1aa oh interesting so i wasn't sitting super high on i think i was seventh all time in tackles and i don't know like 10th all time in single game sacks but since they went to all d1aa first in career tackles first in career sacks season sacks you know like clarence bumpus beat my single game tackle record i'm still salty about that that was a i think i have it up let me see if i have it up here there's also a nice article in the uh, Greeley Tribune about you entering a home run derby with the softball team. Yeah, and I didn't want to take off my pads. <laughs> yes. And they strike me out, so I like, <laughs> get my pads, like, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and we were just doing it for, like, team building, UNC Bear Pride. Yeah, man, that's that's crazy stuff. What What's, like, your most memorable moment from playing up at UNC? You um, have one? A couple that come to your head, maybe? You know, it, it's sad to say, but, like, all the plays I made, and I say that humbly, the things that I always remember are the plays I didn't forget. And I can remember, like, one play, my last game in Portland State, I took a perfect drop, and, like, the pass was just to me. And I just I just misread it and judged it. And, like, so it would have been an easy pick six. Yeah. And I just freaking Matumbo swat <laughs> the ball to the ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so those ones stick in my mind. But, um, oh, that's funny, man. Yeah. Uh, so cool. I know you talked a bit about how you got into rugby a little bit, but how did you start playing for the Raptors? So like, what did it, what did life look like after you finished up at Greeley? Yeah. So the thing to, that I really want to say is like rugby never left in college, and we were oh, okay. playing on the down low. Another shout out to Josh Smith, Jordan Smith. So they'd come for Wyoming games. Yeah. Against UNC, and I'd go sneaking on the B side <laughs> while I was playing football, and then actually NCAA recruiting violation. Um, while I was a, a scholarship athlete there, 
I played on the whatever Eastern Rockies All Star oh, team. Oh yeah, Airfu whatever. That and they paid to. for they paid for our hotels and everything, so that's a, the violation. But I played on that team when I was only twenty or eighteen or whatever the age group was. Right. And we won the whole thing. Big shout out Logan Collins, ex Raptor. He don't want to say I don't want to say <laughs> Barbo's on the air. And James yeah. Patterson was unbelievable. Yeah. James Patterson in that tournament. It was like five games. I was the second leading scorer. I was playing winger, you know. Yeah. I didn't know much, just an athlete. Right. I had probably three or four tries. He had literally like 10 to 12 tries in like five games. Who, who are you playing in those earthy tournaments? Is that like Utah or? Yeah, you're playing all the old regional, you know, all-star teams. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Who man. So then, so I, is Josh Schmitz had like a big part in like kind of getting the Raptors off the ground. Is that right? That's what kind of what Casey told me. Um, I'm not sure about that because I was in another place living a different life. Like football was okay. my whole aim. And yeah, because so, I think that was like 07. So when did you graduate? Oh, oh nine, spring of 09. And I went to one practice spring of 09 when I was pretty much it was guaranteed I wasn't going to make uh, the NFL. Right. And uh, I'd already been playing for UNC rugby that year. We yeah. took eighth in that. Shout out Mark Smith, Mike Smith, <laughs> and all the boys. Oh, you know, and um, I came to the practice, and I think that year, 09, they were tearing it up. Right. So I thought I'd walk up in there and just be like, you know, get some right. love. But it was like they were, like, <laughs> preparing for the playoffs, and it was just a real tight outfit then. Yeah. Cool. So then – did, so then you came to the Raptors, or did you go no, spend so some time with somebody I, else first? I came to the Raptors. I played, like I said, that season for UNC. Um, and then that summer I was like, you know, I moved back to dinner. I'm like, it's time to, you know, get serious, start working. But I'd go jump in on the Wednesday night sevens. Oh, Love yeah. Wednesday night sevens. Shout out to Denver Rugby or whoever <laughs> puts that on. I don't know. I don't know either. But, but yeah, that, that was always a good time. Yeah, I'd go there, and then I got in with all the – Glendale sevens guys but I wasn't on the team and like it was crazy we'd like come to sevens practice and sometimes scrimmage the USA sevens and stuff. right and then so I started coming out that fall of 209 mm -hmm. and I just I I really had to immerse myself in it because the level of rugby was so good and we were still just you know athletes right yeah so another thing I wanted to ask you about is just kind of what that rugby scene was like because when I was talking to Casey, he put it in an interesting way. It's like he considers himself like a transition between like the old scene and like this new one into these like where it's getting more professional. So what was like that the rugby scene like back in '09 when you? Um, I mean, what I really like to speak on is just like the youth rugby scene, and for the primary ages, I'm talking below, you know, middle school. It wasn't even there. Right. And then the high school league. I mean. When you see it now, it's something totally different, and they have so many pathways to get better. And just like it was totally grassroots then, you know, in right. Colorado, it was the emergence of it in that time. That's crazy. Um, so I know you kind of what was it like playing for the Raptors back then? Like I know you were talking about like doing community service to earn like travel yeah, credits so or stuff like that's that. That's one thing I just really wanted to just shout the praises for Glendale is how much they did for rugby in Colorado and just did for people right? by giving them something positive. So you used to get free travel credit if you're on the premier, you know, whatever the top side was, or even if you're on the second team, I think, by going and doing rugby in school, community mm -hmm. service events. And, like, I'm thinking about, like, we would go to school some days and with Jenna Anderson, and 
we'd be there the whole day. Like we'd pack lunch and just teach a whole PE day. Yeah. Over, you know what I mean? And that's like, I mean, that's right down your alley, right? That, that's yeah, what you're doing now. Yeah, it is. And then I'd, I'd work the summer YMCA camps and stuff with yeah. them. That, I mean, they just did so much. It was awesome. Yeah, man. And I know, like, I know that's one thing right now that kind of is going unnoticed, just considering all the news with the Raptors leaving. But I think I'm glad you brought it up because I, I think it should be acknowledged, like, how much Glendale as a whole has done for rugby. You know, they so. were the pioneers like they led the way, you know, and right. I'm telling you, Glendale not only did that, but you know what? They used to pay me to coach the kids. And that was some right. of the best time. And I was not coaching premier teams. And you talk, I've head coached in college. I've been a coach, head coach of a team in New Zealand. But I was coaching little kids and it was like you're getting specialized coaching and right. you're paying the coaches. And it's like it was right before our practice. So it was just it was a sweet situation. Yeah. And, and like you've mentioned already, like that just doesn't exist. And it's becoming more normal now. But this was a decade ago. So yeah. it just shows to go how far they were ahead of the game in, in that sense. And it wasn't just Glendale. They were subsidizing me to go coach for Littleton at the time. Oh, really? Yeah. And that wasn't under the Glendale flag. So that just tells you what they were doing. So. I was coaching for a Gary's son. Gary's son was a beast. I don't remember, but we called ourselves the Pit Bulls. <laughs> then uh, next year, I moved on to coaching Littleton. We had all them long-haired boys. We called ourselves the Bieber Boys. The <laughs> Bieber Boys. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. You always come correct with these nicknames, Scarly. I love it. Um, cool, man. So, I mean, have you – I know you've been kind of off doing your own thing. That's something we'll talk about in a little bit here. But have you seen, like, the transition into, like, pro rugby, whether it be the pro rugby organization or now even MLR? And just, like, I guess from your perspective, is this something that you, like, ever imagined to see? I mean, even this soon. I don't know if I expected to see it soon. I was definitely a part of it. I was the one who got left behind, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, effectively but that was a lot due to all my uh, concussions but yeah you know I knew that Glendale was going to be a big vehicle in it I didn't know and I still don't know what America's appetite is for it and I right. think that's the recipe is when you introduce it to kids and you show them what a beautiful game it is then you're going to get people you yeah know? and I guess I'm going to backtrack here a little bit it's just like when you did start playing what what was it that hooked you like how did you catch the bug and I know you mentioned that you're a hitter it, was it just that? Like, was no, it? No, it wasn't that, and it was totally different because it was actually my first year. I played wing, and then I moved to flanker, and then I moved back into the backs. It was such a learning experience, and it was hella pressure. It was, yeah. you know, like <laughs> especially being a wing and playing teams like the old school Aspen team, you know, mm -hmm. at, at Fest, and they knew who I was, like, and they're right. going to try to manipulate me under the high ball. I'm playing linebacker, boy. I yeah. used to that. that's like <laughs> high pressure, so. Yeah, it was a big learning curve, but um, for me, I my whole identity was that of a competitor. Like in college, it was my everything, and then when it didn't work out, going to the pros or going to the CFL, like, and I got back working, and then I started teaching right off the bat. It was just like rugby filled that void, and I I just loved it, you know. Right. Yeah, I I like asking people that because it's always different for everybody. So. Thank you for uh, for letting us know about that. So I know you just mentioned concussions, um, so we can get into that a little bit. How many do you think that you yikes, had? Yikes, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to take a guess, how many do you think you had? I mean, conservative estimate? Yeah. I'm saying definitely over 20. Yeah. I, I was thinking when I was driving over here today is like, like how serious were, were, did they take concussions when you were in college? Because I feel like that was right before – 
it, it, it became like well yeah, known that yeah. it was a big deal. Yeah, it was. It was right on the cutting edge, and it was also on the cutting edge right when PEDs were starting to blow up. Mm. You know, like all that kind of stuff. But um, it's funny because I used to get concussions when I was in college, starting my junior year, I think, or sophomore year. And um, the thing was, is I'd get knocked out only momentarily, but I would come to and I'd be completely cognitive of everything. Right. And they would sometimes let me back in the game. I mean, they pretty much did it a lot, you know? Right. And then the trainers at the school, the head athletic trainers, started doing, a, you know, like a case study on me because it was obvious there was some trauma there. And then on top of that, kind of finding a way to uh, cheat the impact test, you know, mm-hmm. where you could just kind of mess up the impact test. So then if you did have a concussion and you had to retest, right. it was not that the hard. The baseline's, like, not yeah. as high. But or... when you're cheating the impact test, remember, they're also testing your response time. So don't just click, 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 click. Oh, yeah. Or else you'll have a, a doozy trying to get back yeah, in. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to do it as fast the next yeah. time. Huh? Yeah, man. Um, and then I get, I'm curious about this, too, because this was what – this is why I stopped playing rugby is I just got my head knocked too many times. And it's because I learned how to play football first. So, like, I remember when I was a kid from second grade, they always taught you throw your head across, right? You cut them off. And then when I started playing rugby, I was tackling the same way, and I was just getting my bell rung. Do you think that played any yeah, role Yeah, it definitely it played a thing. But one thing you don't understand is, yeah, concussions are bad. But you have to think about also sub-concussive blows to the head. Yeah. And rugby is one thing, but football is something totally different. Right. And I grew up in a time in football where you could still pretty much spear people. And that's yeah. how you were taught. Because you use your head as a weapon, you're going you're gonna to get some snot knockers out there. You're going <laughs> to knock some guys on their uh, right. booty. So I can just, like, remember that. And, like, even growing up, you know, and I grew up hardcore, Wheat Ridge Wolverines, you know, guys with Tom Gee as my coach. We had a kid named Guppy. Dude, he used to just hit kids so hard he would knock himself out when he was, like, right. in seventh grade. And he got love for it, and it was like he was a good hitter. Right. So that's how we were taught. And then I can still hear we used to do this savage drill called the door drill where the coach holds up a door. One guy's on one side about four yards deep. The other guy's on one side. Like an actual door? Like No, like a big pad. Oh, okay. Like a, like a <laughs> I was like, yeah. So that's like a door. Yeah, like a shield. And so yeah. uh, the back just comes, and he picks a hole left or right, and you just got to meet him. And I can just – to this day, hear, hear old Cody D. Ty's face, put your face on him. <laughs> you know, because yeah. he wants you to get in front and do that. And I'm saying, when you're coming up, if you cared about football, rugby, whatever, like I did, mm-hmm. then you weren't thinking about that. You were just trying to do the, yeah. you know, you were just trying to do what was, what you thought was the way to play. Yeah. I can remember even my dad telling me stuff like that. Like, yeah. You know, fastest, slowest man wins and, and it, whatever it takes to knock him down. Yeah. So that's like – because even like I was coming up in high school, that's like when it started to get yeah. serious. And even then it was hard for people to understand that what it was actually doing. But so I was like playing in the in the transition and it sounds like – I was wondering that as I was driving over like how much that era that you played in probably played into that. Yeah, I have a funny picture and it's me getting a sack against Weber State against this guy named Cameron Higgins who was a great player. But it's me laid out. Imagine a missile. Yeah. So I'm like parallel yeah. and just my head. Like, Superman. Yeah, yeah, like my head's just <laughs> going into it. I'm like, I don't think you could do yeah, that these that, days. No way. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, geez. So if you, if you had to pick, again, I'm going to ask you this in relation to rugby. If, is there some, a couple moments that come to the top of your mind from your rugby career, whether it be like a big match or 
even just like some road trip that sticks out to you with with some be- some people or yeah there's any- many yeah. so um I'm all ears I like listening to these first is when we won that national championship against Texas mm-hmm. with uh Patterson that that all-star championship and Patterson kicked me a high kick I caught it like it was such a beautiful kick one bounce and it was me and Justin Boyd who played um for USA 7s at the time yeah he was like three feet, four feet from the tri zone. And boom, I just trucked him, got the tri. So that was <laughs> tough. Winning the PRP championship will always stand out. And especially because the origins of that story was like, the year before I was like this guy who came off the bench at, you know, like a utility player at loose flanker and forward. And I would come off and I like something good would always happen. Like I would be an impact player and, so they put me in at the last 20 minutes against Golden Gate that year, and, like, Coach Robbie said, hey, I'm putting you in to win the game, and we lost that game. And then I went to Alaska for my first time to fish. I came back. I went to one practice for the sevens team. They're like, boy, you're coming to the <laughs> Omaha with us. Yeah. So Omaha, we have to win this one game, and we are into the next level. And I get the ball on the uh, – like, it's an overlap. I get it. They pass it out. I get it. Boom, get tackled, double move. I should have done something effort, and we lost the game. Like, mm. that was the turning part because of me. Yeah. And then I came, and I went to Hawaii, and I went back, and I just came, and I said, shouted out the boys on Twitter, and I'm like, Scarmani Smooth, follow me. But I said, <laughs> uh, I'm coming to the game. They said, bring your cleats. Yeah. I think me and the friends are already on it beforehand. Yeah, you know, right. we're already hooping and stuff <laughs> and just getting into no good. So I come down there, I broke my hand. So I'm like, all these things, those three things, like, I don't want to end like that. And then I came back that next year, started. And, like, even through starting, I had so much to learn from Robbie. And I can remember um, on the throw-ins, on the line-outs, excuse me, I'm sorry, line-outs, not a throw-in. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like, the loose guy. You know, I was the guy who hawked the number one. Right. But if it was an overthrow, I had to go get it. Yep. And I was really struggling with that. Like, I just would, like, I wasn't tracking it right. I wasn't playing it right. And then – we just kept working on it throughout the season. And then in the finals game, I did that. And I, I got the ball and like, boom, got some yards <laughs> and it like recycled and we got a try. And I was just like, yeah, it, it paid sweet. off. Nice, man. And then I wanted to ask you too about, you've lived in a lot of places, but like how much has rugby allowed you to travel? And I know I want to ask you about your time in New Zealand, but just how many places like has rugby actually taken you? I mean, Pretty much, that's one thing that's beautiful about it. It'll take you anywhere, and it'll put you in contact with good people. I mean, yeah. obviously New Zealand, but just even here in Colorado, you know, mountain leagues, going mm-hmm. down there and then putting you up and playing rugby right. in beautiful towns, you know, Vail, yep. whatever, and stuff like that. And then when I was playing for the Raptors and, like, the higher, the higher right before they turned pro, they were paying for us to travel, you know. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were doing that. And so we were going to California – and when you go on a rugby trip, it's not as regimented as football. Yeah. So it's like the game's over, boy. Like, see you tomorrow. Hope you make the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. That's, so, that's one thing I think people don't really understand is, like, it is fun and there is, like, a respect for the other team because without them, like, you wouldn't be able to do this. And so th- that's why there is, like, the celebrations after the match and stuff. Um, so what was New Zealand like? How long were you there? What did you do down there? So I went down there. I think that was 2013. I'm not sure. Um, I remember because uh, we had a scrimmage against Air Force at here, and I was playing, and I rolled my ankle really bad, and that injury yeah. stayed with me for a while. 
But I went down there in April. My old school uh, was like in rural Colorado where I taught at. I was also the athletic director, but they just let me go. And they're like, all right, come back, you know. And I went down there because my stepsister's nanny was from New Zealand. And we used to just live right over there in Glendale. Yeah. And when her and her husband came, I came and took him to the facilities, her husband, because he was a big rugby fan. And uh, he was just shocked. And he was like, wow, I can't believe you guys had these kind of facilities. Yeah. And so he's like, if you ever want to come out, come out. So then I went down there to Queenstown, which is like beautiful. Uh-huh. And I started playing. I like picked between two clubs. I picked the Wakatipu Wanderers. And um, I also started coaching the high school team. And I was doing odd jobs on the time. Like I did some crazy jobs out there. <laughs> I did uh, traffic control on a movie set, Top G- of the oh, Lake, man. BBC classic. <laughs> What's it called? Top of the lake. Top of the lake. I guess it's a drama, and I I don't like that kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And then I was doing, like, being in uh, different parts. I did this huge air show in Wanaka, and I would tear down all the bleachers of the air show. It was terrible. (laughs) Moving stuff. And then so I started playing for Wakatipu. The premier team, like, they knew I was was hard, but they they had top-level backs. Like, they were whatever the next – up is you know like yeah the otago the next level the up. next level yeah so they're like yo you can play uh you can we need you we want you to play flanker and i was like nah i don't <laughs> think so i just want to play right. and that's when i was still a prima donna so <laughs> i started playing there on the second time the walk tipper wanders and um just started torching dudes <laughs> but it was so crazy because it was like I'm very like empathetic, em- empathic. So like I can tell what other people are feeling. I pick right. up on that. And like I'm not. I wouldn't say maybe I'm being humble, but maybe I am. Like I'm not. I don't think of myself as like a nasty player so so much. Like I don't get talking and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But when I would take on that persona, you know, like this like bull headed USA, right. you know, crazy dude, and my team would just like power up get monitored they ate it up yeah so i like i started acting like that and i was just i scored like 10 tries in nine games but then the last game against roxborough i'm not positive but i'm almost positive you know i feel like this is it like i had already had like a lot of like beef in the game with them and they're like our main rivals and so i get tackled quick recycle one man ruck and i'm just laying there and someone just came and stomped on my ankle and broke the ankle Jeez. So, I mean, there's a lesson in that. Don't talk, boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I Don't guess talk so, when yeah, you're a guest in someone's country. <laughs> I guess there's a lesson in everything. Yeah, because I bet, I mean, I can imagine they're probably not used to that, right? Like an American coming down. The level of play of rugby, way better, even, in, even though that wasn't top-level New Zealand rugby. Right. But the level of athlete, way lower. Yeah. If that makes sense. That's interesting. That's interesting that you say that. There's, uh, I have some thoughts about that as well that I'll talk to you about off the mic. But um, cool. So I, I wanted to ask you this. Um, this will be one of the last ones. If you got anything else, please feel free to include it. But if what are you doing now that you're not playing rugby anymore? And, and I mean, based off our conversation right now, you can tell you you kind of go as the wind blows. So we'll, yeah, I like what were you just doing these last three months that you're telling me on the phone on Friday? So I am a teacher in DPS. I'm also a commercial salmon fisherman deckhand in Bristol Bay, but um, school got canceled a long time ago, and yeah. uh, I just hit the road. I like felt like I was, I always felt like I was called to go to Zion National Park, so I went there. Then I went to Vegas on St. Paddy's Day. Then I like this one big road trip. Then I went to the Grand Canyon because I'd never been there, and everything was just closing behind me in this wake of coronavirus. <laughs> That's crazy. 
And so my brother lives in Montana. My mom's family, my mom's side of the family, they're from Montana. They're native. So we all used to go up there every summer. But my brother lives up there, works with bears now. He's like the grizzly guy. He hits me up and he's like, yeah, boy, come up. I want your help rebuilding my roof. So I rolled up there. And um, I was up in Valier, which is like middle of nowhere, northern Montana, close to the border, close to the res. And um, I was there for about a month. My brother started getting stressed because the bears are waking up. And then he's got one living in his spare room. Yeah. So I took off and I went to Flathead Lake, Kalispell, Summers area, and I'd just been working on a ranch, uh, doing a lot of saw work as well with the chainsaw because, I mean, I was a wildland forest firefighter in Alaska, so I, I like that kind of work. Yeah. That's, and then you're off back to Alaska, right? Tomorrow. We're tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday. So tomorrow. I think this will come out next week, actually, so you'll be in Alaska by a week yeah, by I'll then. Yeah, in a boat. It's like <laughs> I, I need to be there right now because I don't like all this diversion in America right now. I just yeah. want everyone to be like, all right, well, number one, have dialogue with people so yes. you know that they know that you feel the same and you stand together because when we stand together, we're strong, you know? For sure. Yeah, so what's that like up in Alaska? Like, how does that work? You live on the boat or... Yeah, usually you'd get out there. So for me, um, when you ask me what I've been doing, yeah. I've been doing a lot of travel. So I was yeah. just in Nepal. Um, I did the Annapuna circuit with my brother without a guide, wow. without Sherpas. Jeez. And then I've been going to uh, Peru the last couple of years doing some volunteer work and some shamanic healing. <laughs> but I usually go to Peru right at the end of school and okay. then leave. But the borders are closed, obviously, to yeah. Alaska. So once you get into Alaska... Usually you get up there, do a week or so of boat work on the boat, on the net. I don't do that. I just do the money job because I got a good reputation now. Yeah. So I might take a cut in percentage to go up there. So you go straight out on the boat. There's different districts in the bay where you have to drop your card. Like I'm fishing here or I'm fishing there. If yeah. you transfer, then it's like a 48-hour period. The thing that I love about Alaska is it's sustainable natural industry. Yeah. It's one of the last natural fisheries, and it's all managed by science. Mm -hmm. So if they don't get their escapement, meaning the fish up river by fishing game, they don't let you fish. But yeah. if the escapement's where it should be, you know, you fish one to two tides a day, four period, like four to six hour periods, or sometimes they just open it all up. So you're getting two, three to five hour naps, depending on how it, how it doesn't work. But you're out there fishing. You put the net in the water. You bring it on. Bring it on sometimes by hydro, sometimes by hand, which is, you know, rugged. Yeah. But my main job is to pick the fish out of the net as quickly as possible and do all the net stuff and kind of be like, hear what the captain says from the deck and do us. The boats are really small. They're only 32 feet and live there. I used to live on a boat where it was from 1968 no bathroom oh man no heat the pump used to go out so we routinely wake up in a foot of water like not like it's gonna not like it's gonna flood but it's just not right. a not a nice living area it, you got an interesting life man uh scarly that's all the questions i had for you is there anything else you what you wanted to chat about before we cut this off no i just wanted to say uh thanks to glendale they've been really kind to me and they just gave me Gave me something that I loved, and I would like – everyone always told me, and especially coaches, is that the game of rugby isn't bigger than you. Mm. So it's like a vehicle for you to do stuff that's that should be what it was to you, which is something positive. For sure. Um, how, do, how do people find you, Scarly? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on uh, Twitter, at Scarmani, like Armani, but with an S. Smooth, <laughs> Scarmani S. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll be sure to tag you I in got all five followers now. <laughs> We'll, get, we'll try to boost Shout out all my followers, we'll Dustin Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Scarlett, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate yep. it.